You're listening to Well Glaxis, the podcast that helps you put your wellness first. Learn how Black women like you are putting their wellness first in their lives and striving mentally, emotionally, financially, and physically every day. I'm your host, Marilyn Painter, which you can call me Mel. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Glaxis podcast. I have a really exciting episode today. everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today's guest is Dr. Shante Holly. As a professor and podcaster, Dr. Shante equips people with the tools, confidence, and faith to turn their ideas into action. Her podcast, Whole and Complete and Believe in Bigger, are globally ranked in the top 1 and 1.5% of podcasts. That intro does not really do justice to the person Dr. Shante is. This is who I function Dr. Shante to be. She's inspirational, captivating, she's funny, she has a way with words, very easygoing, and you feel like you're having a sit-down with your favorite auntie. In this episode, Dr. Shanti shares how she was called to be who she is today, how she turned her unhealthy life around. She opens up new perspectives on living life, recognizing your purpose, and best of all, she brought along her tambourine. Yes, child, a tambourine was celebrating with us in this episode. I encourage you to continue listening. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is that you talk about living a whole and complete life, one of alignment, one of peace, one of purpose. Yes. And that's where I'd like to start today. It sounds like a life that we should all aspire to. How can we do this? Wow. That's how. Okay. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I think that you have to acknowledge the places in your life that are not whole, right? And sometimes it's hard to do that because we get conditioned and taught to do things by people who love us, by people who raised us. Mm -hmm. And we think that, you know, because mama taught it, because grandma taught it, then this is how it's supposed to go. But at some point you recognize like, wait a minute, that might not be working for me. You know, so a perfect example that I use all the time is talking about like this notion of like the strong black woman, right? Mm -hmm. How we're supposed to be unflappable and resilient and powerful and you know we can take a licking and keep on ticking right because that's how we've been raised and we've been mm -hmm. raised to take care of other people and to put our needs on the back burner like you know we have been taught that and we think that that is normal right mm. but then you start doing that and you like something ain't right <laughs> you know like this doesn't feel good this doesn't feel affirming this doesn't feel like all I was put here or set here to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing that you have to do is you kind of have to like recognize, you know, patterns and ways of knowing and ways of being in your life that just are not working for you. And then I think you also have to tap into resistance because one of the things that I found is that usually the things that we are called to do Mm -hmm. are the things that we resist doing. So for example, if you're called to be a speaker or a writer, there will always be somebody in your life like, well, that doesn't pay the bills. Well, you know, why are you spending your time doing that? You know, or how are you going to get a job with that? And it's like, well, okay, it may not be the traditional mode of, you know, go to school, get a job mm -hmm. and, you know, get on with it. But this is, this is, this, I have a gift for this. I have a passion for this. I feel mm -hmm. a calling in my heart to do this, even though I'm not certain what the outcome is going to be. And so, not only do you have to look at the ways and patterns and being that aren't working for you, but you also have to look at the areas of your life that you are resisting. And then number three, I would say you have to have some, some radical bravery and say, 
this is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do, even if it's not popular, because a calling on your life is not a group project. It's not a committee meeting. It doesn't require consensus. You know, that's your life and your calling and your gifts and your talents and, you know, and your business with your God. And so you step into that place and it is amazing how many people that I have worked with and I've had this experience myself that once you stop resisting, once you finally say, yes, I'm going to step into this, boom. It's like everything that was supposed to happen and line up in your life lines up exactly with that. And it feels like the most right thing ever. And it only has to feel right to you, even if nobody else understands that. I am so happy that you just said all of what you said, because my own testimony is that a couple of years ago, I, a friend was doing spiritual coaching and I decided, let me go talk to her. I was going through a hard time trying to figure out this whole social media stuff, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to land, who I wanted to be, because, you know, it gets confusing when you keep watching other people. Yes. And one of the things she told me that was that was what we just was, was, was speaking about, that my divine gifts are writing and speaking. She said, if you stay in that lane, Mel, you will do so well. And I immediately shifted what I was doing. And I have to tell you, Dr. Shanti, you just talk, spoke about people saying, well, you won't get paid from that. I'm going to tell you something. Money started flowing. Like people just, hey, just started coming. Can I shake my pants? Yes, you, you, sure, you sure can. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, I have always reminded myself that whenever I go off track and I come back, like I can tell the difference. It doesn't even feel right to me. And also the money is like, mm, nope, it's not there. Go back where you're supposed to be because this is your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay I in love your it. Lane. Stay in your lane. That is like some of the best advice I've ever heard. You share openly about being called, like literally tapped on the shoulder by God to something larger than being a college professor. And of mm -hmm. course you said, yes, tell me about this and why it was so easy to say yes. So me and God have, I don't want to call it a unique relationship because, you know, if you read the Bible, you see all kinds of disobedient children. And so I'm not going to sit up here and say <laughs> that I was just walking on the King's highway. and like, yes, right. Lord, use me because baby, I'm gonna tell you something when you have, so my gifting is speaking and teaching. I know that mm -hmm. like I know my name, like that's just mm -hmm. what it is. And I started to realize the impact of my words on people's lives, because even to this day, even right now, right this second, hundreds of thousands of downloads on podcasts. And I've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. It still blows my mind that people listen to me. I'm like, when you think about the world, right, you know, it's kind of like how the Bible says, when we consider the heavens, the moon and the stars, mm -hmm. what is man that you are mindful of him, right? And so mm -hmm. when I'm like, there's a billion people in the world, like, that are, that have more education, that have more experience, that have, you know, all these things. I'm like, why are you listening to me? Because when God calls you, he doesn't just call you, he calls you to something and he calls you mm. to someone, you know? And so there were some people that he was like, I need you to, to, to speak to. And one of the things that I'm a, I'm a consequentialist. So what that means for people who are like, what a consequentialist, I'm always thinking about the consequences. I am. I'm always thinking about the stakes. Like what happens if I don't do this? Right. Mm. 
And for me, I started thinking about all the times in my life where I needed somebody to step up and show up and they, they didn't. And they dropped the ball and the things that I had to go through the hard way because I didn't have somebody standing in the gap to be like, hey, sis, you know, your slip is showing. And so I thought I said, this is not about me. My calling is not about me. It's about the people that I've been called to. And so it was easy for me to step into that. But podcasting. When I started podcasting, you know, as a as a genre, podcasting is like 14, 15 years old. So podcasting is like a teenage boy. Right. So when I started doing this, like back in 2015, I was like, what is a podcast? Do do black people podcast? (laughs) Like, what is this? You know, um, it was still new and on the horizon. But I was like, "Okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So I'm assuming you're going to equip me. And I kid you not, people came out of, like you said, the money started to come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. People started coming out of everywhere. Like, hey, do you need help with production? Hey, do you need help with video? Hey, do you need I said, praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) it was just like, so it was easy for me to to do that. But then too, I remember once, um, so I had written an ebook and I was like, I'm going to go on a summer tour. So this was 20, actually, this was 2019, right before the pandemic. And I had made it to Texas, you know, so that was one of the stops on the tour. Mm-hmm. And after I spoke and did the workshop and what have you, this young lady came up to me and she was like, Dr. Shante, I had to see you. She said, I drove six hours through oh. the night. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, and I just had to see you. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, I'm like, somebody driving (laughs) more than 15, 20 minutes to come see me. Like, first of all, I was humbled by that. But then she said, no, you don't understand. She said, earlier this year, I was in such a dark place and I wanted to take my life. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, send me something. Send me somebody. Help me please. And she said, I don't know why, but I just so happened to have found your podcast. Mm. She said, Dr. Shante, you saved my life. And I just had to drive all this way to tell you to your face that you saved my life. My throat, I mean, like, I'm tearing up right now. Right. You know, so, you know, we talk about how the money is not there because, you know, as a podcaster, you know, baby, consistent content creation is a job. On top of your other job and other roles and responsibilities in life. Like, baby, this is don't let anybody fool you (laughs) putting these videos and and audios and editing and all the and the the graphics and the marketing collateral for social media. That is work. Okay, you know, Beyonce has a team. We don't have teams. Okay, so it's a lot of work. And so in the work, you can get really kind of like, why am I doing this? I'm not getting paid. You know, like this is not this is so much. But then something like that happens and you be like, you can't put a price on a changed life. This is why I do it. Like, it's not even about the money. Like you, you can't put a price on a changed life, you know, and to your point, it's just about like staying in your lane. Right. So somebody told me you can't plant your seed and reap your harvest in the same season. And sometimes that's why we get frustrated. You know, we get called Mm -hmm. to do something and, you know, we see the benefit, but it's not an immediate benefit. It's not right right there. Right. So I remember at that time in 2019, I was really thinking about like chucking it all. I was like, every time I wanted to quit, every time I wanted to quit, the Holy Spirit was just like, don't hold on. If you just hold on. Right. So fast forward to the pandemic, I got a call from 
I'm not going to say the name of the institution, but a very prestigious financial institution that needed a keynote for their HBCU symposium. And they were like, um, so we're not sure what your, your rates are, but you know, as long as your budget is like within $15,000, we can accommodate that. I said, hola. I said, let me, let me get a budget right quick. Wait, wait, wait. I was like, wait a minute. Can, can we pause for station identification? I said, so let me get this straight. You want me to deliver a one hour keynote virtually from my house. I don't have to travel and you're going to cut a check for me to speak to your, your people for $15,000. It's a, you know, <laughs> so it's harvest time, you know, like right now it's harvest time. And so, you know, and the Bible says that, that, you know, that uh, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And it's so easy to give up in the, the tilling of the soil, in the watering, in the digging, in the weeding and the pruning. It is so mm-hmm. easy to just tap out on your assignment. But if you know, this is what you've been called to do. If you stay with it, you know, it's the truth. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. What what happens, you know, if we, we 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 get that call, we know where it's coming from, and we know it's the right track, mm-hmm. and and we don't say yes. What what happens then? Can we say no? I mean, oh yes, you can say no, but again, I'm a consequentialist, right? So one thing that happens is you don't have any peace in your spirit. You just, you don't have any peace. I know so many people right now that are working soul draining jobs. Like they force themselves to get up and, you know, they got to go and talk to people that they don't even like and, you know, do a job they don't want to do, but they're like, you know, but this, but, but in their minds, this is essential to my survival. This is how I live. This is how I pay my bills. This is how I feed my kids. And it's really sad. It's a really sad day when you think that the key to life it's just making money. Mm. It's just paying bills. It's just getting by. Baby, what do you say? I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm not just here to live. I'm here to thrive. Okay. I'm here to thrive and grow. And so, you know, you'll do all those things for a job that you don't like or that you don't care for. But then the thing that's in your heart, in your passion is just sitting there just unused, you know, and so you don't have a lot of peace in your spirit because there's no balance. Okay. You know, that you're doing the thing that you have to do instead of doing the thing that you have to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So for one thing, there's no peace in your spirit. And then two, you know, I remember, and I'm not throwing any shade at the Real Housewives. I'm just going to say that when that franchise became really popular in the black community, it displayed women, black women Mm -hmm. in a way that was less than sisterly, less Mm -hmm. than, you know, collegial, less than healthy, you know, all this trading insults and throwing shade. I mean, that that Mm -hmm. just doesn't come from a healthy place or a healthy mindset, you know, using and weaponizing shame and things like that. Right. But the thing is, but what was the alternative? Somebody didn't Mm -hmm. answer the call. Right. So (laughs) if that's all that's out there and that's what gets, you know, that's what gets airtime, and, you know, you got some wholesome content or you got some healthy content or you got some mind regulating, you know, transformational stuff and you're just sitting on it. Well, then people don't get what they need because you never stepped into the space. That is a very good perspective of that, because I, I think the same thing. I, you know, I, I don't I don't buy into the franchise, but 
the way you've put it in that perspective is like you didn't answer your call, so that's why you probably ended up here. I, I, I oof, that's that that one. <laughs> right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> so your own experience left you burnt out after three years in the creative work from when you started in 2013. Yeah. What do you do differently now that prevents you from being burnt? burnt out because you seem to be doing more than you were doing then but it seems that you you strike some sort of a balance what do you do differently so I shifted everything in my life Mm -hmm. to be taken care of after I'm taken care of you know I put me first I I think there was like a TikTok going around from uh, Taraji Henson when she was on Empire I got to put me first Lucius I got to put me first you know (laughs) That's what I started doing. I started putting me first. So I've been very transparent about, you know, my weight loss journey and transformation Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. But when I was, oh Lord, 250 pounds, you know, that was the, that was a representation and a manifestation of somebody who was doing for everybody else, was doing what I was obligated to do. You know, there's this thing in black culture where you got to hold up the bloodstained banner and you just got to keep Mm-mm. bearing your burden in the heat of the day, you know, when you got to suffer, you know, like mm-hmm. all girl. And so, <laughs> you know, when you drink that Kool-Aid for a few decades, you know, mm-hmm. it, it really does manifest in your health. But then when the pandemic came along and was like Sim Simma, yep. everybody slow down. Like, and it wasn't, it, there were no options everybody slow down there things the restaurants were not open the gyms were not open the the sports arenas were not open you had to stop and you know when the bible says um he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still what he maketh sometimes he has to make us and so when he made (laughs) us lay down you know I, i started to think about some things and and how i was living my life and i was like no, I said, this is, this is not, this is for somebody who speaks and preaches wellness. You mm-hmm. are not well. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you are, as they say on the airplane, you putting on everybody else's oxygen mask and you haven't put on your own mm-hmm. oxygen mask. Mm-hmm. And so when I made that shift, literally, excuse me, once my child is off to school, mm-hmm. the next, the next and first activity is I'm going to the gym or I'm going for a run or I'm going to do something for, or I'm going to put on my body affirmation playlist, put on some heels and body roll around this house. You know, like (laughs) I'm taking care of me. I'm taking care of me. And so, and that probably takes about two hours out of my morning, but guess what? Everything else. Cause we think like, Oh man, if I take that time for myself, other things are not going to get done. Mm -hmm. They will, you'll find a way, you know? And so once I started to make that shift and started to pour into my own health, then, you know, the bitterness that you feel when you're doing for everybody else and you just don't have anything and the burnout that you feel when you're doing for everybody else, mm-hmm. all of that went away. All of that went away. And me doing this was the antithesis of all I've been taught, right? We've been taught to be so productive. Get up, go to work, put on your best face, you know, show up and be a, a magical black girl. And it's like, no. But is that really production though? Th- thank you. Thank you. I'm like, there's a difference between being busy and being productive. And at the end of the day, too, you know, so again, I'm a bit consequentialist. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen if I don't grade these papers today? What's the worst that can happen if I don't record this podcast 
today, mm-hmm. you know? And so, cause I used to be diligent and on it, like, oh my gosh, it's Wednesday morning. I've got to get this episode out, you know, and, and all of the things. And I was like, I'm not getting paid for this. So this is free content of my own <laughs> volition. And as much as I care about my listeners and I do, I love them. I'm like, the world isn't going to burn down if they have to wait one more week for this episode. And it doesn't. And we keep it moving. You know, sometimes we just have to accept where we are that day. You know, like I said, some days you will get up and you clicking on all cylinders. You know, you bringing home the bacon, serving it up in the pan. You got the eyes crossing the T's. Your edges are laid. Okay. And your stomach is flat. But there are <laughs> other days where child, you wake up reaching for the honey buns and the Twinkies and the sugary. Co- I mean, like, you just have those days and it's like, that's where I am today. And I accept mm-hmm. where I am today. And I hope that tomorrow will be better. And so we just kind of like, so taking it one day at a time, but putting myself at the beginning is how I was able to transform that whole process. I just listened to an Instagram reel where you spoke about that being like on it in your, in your uh, fitness game and you mm-hmm. weren't that particular day. And you were just like, well, I'm not that today, but you know what? I will get better because Tiger Woods. He's still the best, you know. You just, you Tiger just Woods is still Tiger Woods. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's like I'm the Tiger Woods of my own life. I'm like, there are <laughs> there are moments in my life where I can look at it and be like, girl, you did that. Like you, you did that. And I'm still that girl. Even on the days where I don't feel like it, even though on the days when my body doesn't cooperate, I'm still that girl. And so, you know, you shake it off and you keep it moving. I just I'm just learning to be more gentle with myself and I I just realized that just because during the pandemic I had all of these sudden health issues Mm. that popped up and I'm just like I've been the healthiest person I know since whenever but I wasn't the healthiest person because like you I was always on the pulse always had to be productive always had to do for somebody else always and so I too even realized and in my own life I was never gentle with myself. The first time I said, I love you to myself, I cried. Come on, and man. I had to think about that. Because that should be a happy moment. That should be a rejoicing moment, an uplifting moment. But for me, it was sad because in that moment, I realized that I hadn't really given myself enough grace and enough time and enough patience to even look myself in the face and say, I love you. And to receive oh. that internally. You and know? isn't it crazy how we give it away so freely? All the time, all the time. All the time, you know, people drop the ball and be like, that's okay, you know, it's fine. You know, it's it's interesting. I always use this example. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh at me, but, <laughs> you know, when we take one step, you know, even if it's a baby step, okay, we take one mm-hmm. baby step towards our goal and that's all we can do for that day. You know, we'll berate ourselves like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not as far along as I need to be. I'm too old to be this far behind. And, and I wish I had made these decisions. Blah, 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 blah. Even though we just took a step, it's like, but it's not enough, right? right? Think about babies, right? Like little babies, toddling babies, like they just learning to walk, right? When they pull themselves up, they kind of shaky and they take two steps and fall down. Do we go look at you? Mm, you couldn't even walk across the whole living room. You know, shame on you. You know, you call yourself right. a baby. You know, no. We rejoice that they did take two steps. That two steps would be like, oh my goodness, cover you. You know, I mean, we the shaking time and they like, okay. You know, we so full of positive affirmation. And so it's like, listen, 
you took a step. Right. Yes, girl. Good that's, thing that's you know you need to cheer me up. That's that's right. <laughs> that is right. You know, we need to stop poo-pooing the baby steps. You know, baby steps matter because those are the things that give us the foundation and the stability to take bigger steps. And so Absolutely. we have to celebrate those small wins. I'm here for that. Um, I'm celebrating now because I had enough time during the pandemic to pay attention. That's for sure. I love it. You offer coaching at the intersection of faith and wellness. Um, I'm curious, where does, where does faith and wellness intersect and what does this look like when you work with your clients? So for me, I tend to work with a lot of clients that have a faith-based background, meaning, you know, they've been, they're, you know, believers or they're Christians mm-hmm. or, you know, they've uh, part of a faith community or what have you. However, and I'm just, you know, I, I don't pull any punches about, you know, the mm-hmm. shortcomings of the church, you know, many right. times, you know, the church has a lot of potential to do a lot of, and many of them do a lot of positive, Mm -hmm. wonderful, life-changing things in the community. And I am grateful for that. And I thank God for that. At the same time, they have hurt just as many people as they have helped. Okay. And so there have been people who have come with real, you know, dark experiences. And when they came to the church, it was like, well, you know, you just need to pray about it which you should, (laughs) you should absolutely pray because there's power in prayer, but that's not the, that's not the end all be all, you know, Mm. you can pray about something and then God put a therapist in your life. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that, that. So in that regard, and then too, you know, and I can only speak to the black church. Okay. Cause that's, that's my experience. And I realize that all black churches are not the same, but there is a shared experience. And unfortunately what tends to happen in a lot of black churches is that we prefer polish over pain. Mm. So when they say, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, we looking for the testimonies. We looking for the, 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 the results uh, mm-hmm. that this Jesus thing is really working. Right. You know? And so if you need to be blessed, you know, or you're not grateful enough, or you know, you're not thanking God enough, or you're not mm-hmm. basically, if you're not blessed, highly favored, you're not enough somehow. You're not doing enough, you're not praying enough, you're mm-hmm. not you know, something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of those clients, and I'm like, okay, can we take out the toxicity of your church experience? Let's really look at what the word of God says and how this is in alignment with principles of wellness okay because Mm -hmm. unfortunately too many times in the church uh people are just either ill-equipped ill-informed ignorant or they just they don't know how to handle those types of things and so the best that they can offer are these kind of like empty platitudes when it's like no baby you need to be doing some inner work there's some books you need to be reading there's some you know journaling you need to be doing there's some you know boundaries you need to be setting but the church doesn't always have the space for that. And so people don't feel safe being anything less than polished. And so they come to me with their pain and, you know, we're able to work it through in a space that's not judgmental. What do you believe is our greatest downfall in our approach to life? Oh, that's so like bottom of the ocean deep. (laughs) Our greatest downfall in our approach to life. So... I use this all and I talk about this all the time. Um, The work of a hospice nurse called Bronnie. um, I want to say her name was like Bronnie Ware. Mm -hmm. And 
after decades of working with, you know, people at the end of their lives, you know, and then making that transition, you know, to the other side, she started to notice these glaring patterns. You know, they were all saying the same thing. They all had regrets. They all, every last one of them had regrets. And so she finally did a write-up, the five regrets of the dying, right? And the number one regret was, I wish I had had the courage to live a life that was true to myself. We do so much people pleasing, you know, you want to be a dancer, but you know, your daddy said, what you're going to do with that? You know, you're you're not going to make money with that. You're prancing around, you know, like a court jester, you're gallivanting all over the streets. It's like, okay, well, (laughs) you know, and, and you kind of get guilted, you know, and you know, you don't, and you have to do the responsible thing, right. And the money making thing and the practical thing. And so many people, sacrifice their gifts, sacrifice their calling, you know, beautiful voices, wonderful singers singing, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things, you know, and they just bottle it up and seal it shut. And they go and live this, this artificial life, this life that is, you know, it's existing, you know, but it's not really Mm -hmm. living. And you know, we are hardwired for love and belonging. It's hard to be rejected by your people. It's hard to be betrayed by your people. It's hard, you know, when you don't have the approval of your people, you know, it's hard to be the odd man out. And yet, um, sometimes you just, not sometimes, you have to have that courage. You have to have the courage to live the life that that you've been gifted. Because I always think about it like this, right? I think life is like a, a blank canvas, right? Like a, a, right. An, a an empty white canvas, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own canvas. So it's like, don't come over here with your brushes trying to paint my picture. Mm-hmm. You got a canvas. Okay, you you chose that man. You chose that woman. You chose to have kids or not have kids. You chose not to get a passport and travel. Like, that, baby, <laughs> that's your picture. Don't come over here dipping your water. I mean, dipping your brush in my water and my paint, trying to tell me what needs to be on my canvas. And it takes a lot of courage to be able to say that, especially if depending on what you know culture you come from in America, you know, it's all about this rugged individualism. But there's a lot of cultures that are like collectivists and that belonging and that that pride of the group, you know, means a lot. So to be able to deviate from that and really follow your calling is powerful. And I think that's our biggest downfall when we give that up to please somebody else's agenda. I think that takes though a special kind of grit mm. to, to not have the support, not have the, okay, it's fine. Go ahead. You try it. I'll, you know, I think that takes a special kind of grit to be able to do that. Um, I guess that's why we have coaches like you because mm, Lord knows we need them. <laughs> you know, what's funny so Jesus had that grit, even Jesus as a kid, as a shorty. Right. So mm-hmm. when he was like 12 years old and they had went to like the feast and the, and all of that, and mm-hmm. it was time to go back home, you know, Jesus stayed behind 12 years old teaching right in the town. So Mary is like, where's my child? Where's my baby? <laughs> and I mean, and so they tracking back through towns, aunties and uncles to find this boy. When they finally found him, you know, she was understandably upset, you know, like should we looking all over for you. He was so gangster with it. He was like, woman, don't you know I'm about my father's business? Like, right. I'm good. I'm Gucci. It was like, dang, Jesus would have got popped in the mouth if he was my kid. But you <laughs> was talking slick. But that was the thing. You know, it does take a, a, a certain amount of grit, you know. And mm. at the end of the day, 
you are. And, and what I found is that the people who don't come along initially, girl, when you start, when the success comes, when you start getting the phone calls and the notoriety and what have you, then all of a sudden, it, instead of, you know, why are you doing that? It becomes, can you teach me? Teach me how to Dougie. Like how you do that? Okay, because I need to talk to you. I feel like you're walking in alignment and that just speaks to me. I'm like, mm, it wasn't speaking to you three years ago, but come on, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, you believe that wealth has nothing to do with money. What is wealth to you? Yeah, you can have all the money in the world and be broke. You know, broke is a is a state of mind. Um, the traditional meaning of wealth, you know, so I don't want to, you know, skirt that. The traditional meaning of wealth is, you know, having resources in such abundance that you can pass them down generationally, you know, and it takes a right. lifetime to build wealth. You know, wealth yes, takes yes. time. You can get rich tomorrow. You know, you get the right scratch off on the lottery ticket. You can be rich tomorrow, mm-hmm. but wealth is a, is a different thing. But for me... <clears throat> True wealth is so, I, man. I swear by this book, and it actually happens to be in my purview, right? So it's called "The Soul of Soul Money" of by money. Lynn Twist, and Ooh. I'm telling you, there is this uh, quote in here. She talks about sufficiency. She says sufficiency is always available. We're always talking about abundance, but we never talk about enough, right? And so I think about this, right? You know. We said, well, what would you be do different if you were rich? What would you do different if you had money? Oh, I could do stuff like I can go and pay for somebody's groceries. You can do that now. You mean to tell me you don't never have an extra hundred dollars when you can go into an Aldi or a food for less or one of these food deserts? You ain't never got an extra $75 where, you know, somebody come along and they bill is $68.86. You can't pay it. Yeah, you can. You have enough. You may not have riches. You may not have wealth. But do you have enough? Yes, you can. And, you know, she said that in this book, you know, she talks about sufficiency is a way of knowing that there is always enough, that whatever it is that you need, it's already available. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if I were like rich, right, what would I do? Girl, I'd be traveling the world. Guess what? I tra- Baby, I've been everywhere. <laughs> you know, I travel <laughs> the world by myself because I can't be waiting on folks. Um, to right, get their monies right. right, you know. But the thing is, is that here I am, a single mother, a divorced single mom, you know, with a child in private school, cha-ching, and I still have enough to travel the world, you know, and experience life and culture. And so I am rich. I am wealthy in experiences. I am wealthy in having the, man, the health to be able to travel because my mom, she's very sickly. You know, she has been sick for you know, the past 10, 12 years with one thing right after another. And so she, at the, she's at a point where she cannot function independently. She can't drive a car, right. you know? And so it's like, you have all the money in the world, but you are constantly dependent on somebody else, you know, for your day-to-day needs and, and basic mm. care. I'll take the health over the money if that's the case, you know? Right. Um, and so for me, and then there's this thing, you know, I'm going to say this happened in 2019 too, like right before the pandemic um, or maybe right in the, the early parts. I get confused on the dates, but I will never forget uh, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Mm. Anthony Bourdain, renowned culinary icon, right? Like he, Tony Bourdain was a man. He was the man in the culinary mm-hmm. world. Kate Spade, you probably got one of her wallets or a clutch or a bag or whatever. I mean, she built her brand. She sold it for millions of dollars. I mean, this had it all. 
they committed suicide within two, three days of one another. Mm-hmm. And I, oh my God, I remember when that happened. I was like, but they got everything. Yeah. They have it all. They yeah. have it all. What could be and so yet, sad? <laughs> and, and yet we're in so much mental pain and anguish that they left children behind mm. to escape it. You know, so it's like money, I'm, you know, it only impresses broke people and I'm not broke. I'm far from broke. I may not have the financial resources that you have, but I have enough and I don't have a life that it consumes so much of my time and energy that I can't actually enjoy it because some people make all the money, but they don't have any time to actually do anything with the money that they want to do and enjoy. So yeah, I have a totally different spin on that. Mm. So you have two podcasts, the Whole and Complete and the Believe in Bigger podcast. Tell me about them. So Believe in Bigger, and it started as branding for believers. That was my first baby, you know, Um, and I was taking this faith-based approach to, you know, entrepreneurship. And the more I did that, I realized that people don't excel, not because they have like, don't have strategy or because they don't have information. Child, you can't swing a dead cat without finding somebody with some expertise, advice. I mean, you know, like that, the experts are out there. Yep. What they did not have was belief. What they did not have was faith. What they did not have was confidence. What they did not have was resolve. What they did not have was the courage to stand on the word and walk in their calling. And so the more I podcast it, the more I realized I was talking more about these mindset type of things, these heart type of things, these mm. spirit type of things. And I was like, okay, we're not even really talking about branding anymore. We're talking about belief right now, you know, so mm. believing bigger. And I used to try to like skirt around like the God thing, right? Because people told me in the podcast industry, you know, faith is really difficult. You know, when you talk about God, you know, it, it doesn't really lend itself to things like sponsorship and, you know, the listenership may not be there. And I was like, oh, okay. So I tried to play it safe. Right. But then, you know, three to six months in the plan is safe and no checks come in. I was like, I'm gonna do what I want to do. And I'm gonna talk about Jesus. And when I tell you the numbers on that podcast just exploded, Mm -hmm. like it's still right. Like that podcast. And I haven't podcasted it in two seasons. Um, is still like ranked in the top 1% globally of podcasts in that category. Like people are still consuming that content. And then, thank you. And speaking of believing bigger, I was like all set for like season seven in 2019. I remember this. I was in Dublin traveling because I had enough. Um, (laughs) I was like, I was like, I'm gonna spend New Year's in Dublin, bubbling in Dublin. And so I was in Dublin and, you know, getting my mind right, you know, to come into season seven of believing bigger. And God told me clear as day. Nope. Mm-hmm. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? He was like, <laughs> you are done with that podcast. Um, whole and complete is what I want you to do next. Mm-hmm. And I felt some kind of way because Believing Bigger had a huge audience, hundreds of thousands of downloads. And I'm like, you know how long it took me to, to build this? And he had to check me. He said, how long it took who? I was like, oh, well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Get it right. (laughs) Right. Get it right. You know, some plants, some water, but God gives the increase, right? So I was like, okay, you right. Um, But he really pressed on my heart how desolate and desperate the faith community, the Black faith community was 
for mental health and wellness, you know, for somebody mm-hmm. to say, you can have Jesus and your therapist and it doesn't make you less of a believer. It doesn't right. mean that you don't have enough, you know, a faith in God and, and you know, it, it, and you out there listening and it's not just for white people. It's like, he said, somebody needs to say that. And you are the one that I'm asking to say that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, start from scratch. And so it took some months, you know, to get that, to plan it out and all the things. And so when I finally released it, like February, February, like uh, three weeks before the pandemic, I was like, oh my gosh, ain't nobody going to be listening to this show. And yet <laughs> here we are, you know, we closing in on 50,000 downloads and I'm just like, oh, wow, that is God, don't, thank you. That's good. God be knowing, you know, this yep. is like, we just... <laughs> We just have to do our part, but, but whole and complete is really about that juxtaposition of, of faith and wellness. You know, mm-hmm. we, we tend to, um, earlier when I was talking about how the church doesn't always serve the mental health needs mm-hmm. of its, its flock, you know, it's like God has a word about all of these mental health challenges. And so I'm just blessed to be able to kind of like shed light on that and say, yeah, this is in alignment. You are you are yeah. still walking on the King's Highway. Let's connect these two dots. And it gave me an opportunity to normalize therapy. So almost all of the series usually end with me in conversation, a conversation like this with a therapist, you know, or a Black mm-hmm. therapist, you know. Um, and I just want to normalize for Black people. I'm like, look, look at this. We out here. Look at us. Four and five. Okay. Like you, (laughs) we out here, we doing this work. We doing the Lord's work. Okay. And a lot of them are believers too. And it's like, look, they're believers and therapists, bam, bam, bam. And just normalize that. And, you know, and people have said that it, again, just like believing bigger, it has changed their lives. It has really been able to give them the courage to get the kind of help that they need and really have a desire to want to heal. Yeah, we need we need all of it. We really do. There's a lot of work to be done in our black community. And it's gotta so start much. with some with many of us, you know what I mean? So yes. thank you for all the work that you do, Dr. Shanti. You too. I love your platform. <laughs> thank you. Actually, this was another tap on the shoulder, I have to say. That was my testimony. I it came in a dream. Woke me up at like three in the morning. It's like, get up, you got some writing to do. Like, That's how oh. he does, right? Yeah. <laughs> And it took me months. I initially said no. And I, I put it up on my board and I'm like, oh, I'm doing this like like you. I'm like, nobody's going to. But it wouldn't leave you alone, right? It wouldn't leave it you alone. It kept coming back. And every time I tried to swing it, it would just keep coming back around. And eventually I just said, I'm going to just go for it. And I went for it. Actually, right before this podcast, I got a text from a friend and she's like, I love I'm going to share this with you because I shared the last podcast episode with a friend and she texted me back just now and she said, this is so good. I needed this right now. And I said, oh my God, my spirits are lifted today because many times I walk and I know this is the right path for me. But sometimes if I, like you were just saying, if we don't get that justification, like we think we're on the wrong thing, even though we know that we were called to do this work. So I keep getting, I keep getting the the responses, and I'm like, okay, 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 Mel, you're okay. Not about us. It's yeah, not about us. It and here's the beauty us. of it: is that when you step into it, that the content is so compelling mm-hmm. that it prompts other people to be like, "You got to see this. You got to yep. listen to this. I got to mm-hmm. share this." You know, 
And, and that's how God works is that, you know, he knows what you need when you need it. And then it's like, you know, when you think about like, you're part of a, of a plan, you know, all we can see is what we can see, but he sees the Mm. whole thing. He sees how literally all things work together, you know, for the good. And so we just have to be willing to do our part to be a part of the good that he wants to accomplish in the lives of other people. You know, that's one of the things that came out of the pandemic. I w- I kept saying the pandemic is such a blessing. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? We can't do this. We can't do that. I was like, well, it brought us all together. We, we, it brought us together to realize one quiet time for ourselves to kind of mm-hmm. a chance for us to elevate and clear out some of that stuff we built up over the years. I said, but other than that, we saw each other on the same level. Like everybody was an equal because we could all couldn't go outside. We all had to stay indoors. We all had to mind our immune systems, mind our, you know, what we were intaking at that time. I mean, it was dangerous for some people, you know, being inside is dangerous for some people. But for a lot of us, it was a chance to free ourselves of all that stuff yes. from over the years. And you yes. know, if you hadn't taken the time to do that, that's on you. But we had time. We were given time. So, And honestly, like, originally people were like, oh, I can't wait till things get back to normal. And I was like, normal was not yeah. working. And, and right. normal work. <laughs> I was like, I do not want to go back to normal. I just want to stay here and something different. Let's move on to something different. I, I can't imagine going back to what my life was pre-pandemic. You know, that this is it has dramatically transformed my life. And I'm like, yeah, you know, who goes back to the plantation once you've been set free? <laughs> right. I guess some people weren't thinking about it like that. So I started this movement called Well Black Sis to help people make wellness their style statement. Um and affirm it every day because I feel like we lack that. We lack being able to say I am well, or mm-hmm. instead, you know, even while we're on the way to the doctor for something, we we think, oh my God, do I have cancer? Am I going to die? Um, and so I wanted us to really affirm that every day, to say it out loud that I am well, to say that I love you, and be able to not be emotional about that. Well, what does your own wellness look like, Doctor Shanti? I'm curious. So my own wellness is one, um, I used to be what I call like an emotional thug, right? Because I was <laughs> always taught that emotions were, were like made you weak, right? That they were, were pointless and, you know, you got to never let them see you sweat. And, you know, you had to to show up, you know, with the the mask and the face and all of that. And when people would get emotional about things, I'd be like, hmm, try paying the bills with your feelings. You know, like I was really Mm -hmm. anti-emotions. And that was the truth behind that is because I didn't really want to deal with my own. Mm -hmm. You know, I had dealt with some things and I had just locked them up, Mm -hmm. pushed them out, you know, and put them on the shelf. But here's what I've learned. When you don't deal with your issues, your issues will deal with you. And so my issues were dealing with me. You know, you don't blow up to a heavy weight just because, you know, you feel good and that's what you want to do. Usually it's a coping mechanism, you know, for Mm. something that you aren't dealing with in in a more healthy way. And so wellness for me, one starts with my own thoughts and emotions, you know, and saying, you know, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that? Why are you saying that to yourself? What's coming up for you? You know, and it's so crazy to be in that space because literally our whole lives, we have been taught to look outward to Mm -hmm. others. 
What does the parent need? What does the child need? What does the coworker need? What does the boss need? What does the church need? Like your value is in looking and doing outward. When were you ever encouraged to look inward and interrogate your own thoughts and feelings and emotions and what and triggers and traumas and all of those things? So the first part of that is being what, you know, my friend, Dr. Tiffany Bellamy calls the expert of you. She's like, listen, (laughs) that's a lifelong project. You need to become the expert of you. What it also looks like is being able to be comfortably well. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes in Black culture, things like money and health are public conversations when they really are are not public conversations from the perspective mm-hmm. of, you know, when a white person, you know, my experience and observation, not all white people, because I don't want nobody like adding me in the comments. <laughs> but, you know, when white people attain riches or wealth or what have you, it's like, hey, good for John. Good for, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going out on his boat this weekend. And it's, you're like, so what? You know, it's like, hey. He worked hard, he earned it, or maybe he came into some, but whatever. It's like, nobody cares. When Black people come into money, now we want to have a conversation about where those dollars need to be allocated and what they need to be doing for the community and what they need to be doing for for certain family members and, and that sort of thing. Health is the same way. You know, when I was a woman of a certain size, and I'm not fat shaming anybody. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. it didn't work for me, you know, but Mm -hmm. when I was a woman of a certain size, girl, didn't nobody say a mumbling word. When I was getting Mm -hmm. bigger and bigger, didn't nobody have nothing to say. But as soon as you start losing some significant weight, oh, don't get too thin now. Oh, who you trying to look good for? Oh, I see you. So I learned to, when I say comfortably well, it's like, your opinion, your two cent, your little comments, ain't none of my business. Like, I don't, that don't have nothing to do with me. If you're not comfortable, you know, with my wellness journey, then you don't have to, you don't have, baby, don't let me keep you. You, mm. <laughs> you can go and, and excavate somebody else's life, but it's okay to be well. It is okay, you know, to say that you're okay. You know, sometimes we feel like we have to commiserate and be down in the door with other people and it's like you know because that was the thing like so perfect example during the pandemic I don't want to diminish the fact that there was tremendous loss tremendous loss of life of income of revenue businesses that had been in business for 20-30 years you know dissolved you know so there was tremendous loss and at the same time there was also some tremendous gain in a lot of ways there was tremendous gain but the people who were gaining were afraid to say that because they were like you know, I'm kind of reading the room here and, you know, with all these losses and going on and people not doing well, I don't want to be able to speak out and say, you know, that I'm actually doing okay. But people need to see that. People need to see joy. We need to normalize joy. And so wellness for me is, when I say comfortably well, it's normalizing joy. It's like, it's normal to be like this. I don't have Mm -hmm. to be, you know, broke down, low down, you know, you know, shoulder slump and things like that. Like, no, can we normalize healthy and healed black women? Like, can I be a a representation in that space? Can I take up that space? You know, in case you needed to know that it's possible, it's possible. 
Can we get a little shake of that tambourine? Because I want people to understand this, please. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's it. like at the beginning of the year, I said goodbye to the strong black woman. I said, honey, Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. But um, that whole, excuse me, Mm -hmm. that whole notion of to just be able to take, 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 and then give, 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 and never want, never desire, never aspire, never. I was like, I'm done with that. Um. I'm going to pull a little lick out, you know, for the homies that couldn't make it, <laughs> but I'm done with that. You know, I'm, I'm okay saying that, you know, um, I have needs as a woman, you know, and I'm okay, you know, operating in what they like to call the feminine energy. You know, I don't have to be doing, planning, analyzing, you know, making decisions about like all the time. If that's, can I, can I just be, can I just be healed? Can I just be whole? Can I just be mm. soft? Can I just be? without having to do because last time I checked we were human beings not human doings and so wellness is about the comfortability and the joy and the normalizing of being who you are where you are as you are and being okay with that without thinking that your wellness or your worth is tethered to what you're doing for somebody else Mm. preach love it (laughs) I know one more time well, Dr. Shanta, this has been good. I could talk to you for hours. Like, I'm so peaceful right here. I'm like in a zone and I'm just like, well, you got to remember this time. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That time flew. I'm literally looking See? at the clock. Time does fly. This was so good. Thank you so much for having me on this show. This was wonderful. It was. Um, so where can people connect with you? So people can connect to me on all of my social platforms, uh, particularly Instagram at Dr. Shante says. So Dr. S-H-A-N-T-E says S-A-Y-S. And so they can connect with me there. And then they can also listen to either one of those podcasts, Believing Bigger or Whole and Complete, which are streaming on all platforms. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, this was so good. Thank you. And oh, shameless plug. So these two years of my health and wellness transformation journey, I did literally just put out an ebook called Aging Backwards. And it's really geared towards women trying to transform their health in their 40s because, girl, that's a whole nother podcast episode. The things that happen in your body after you turn 40, girl, I felt Mm. like a can of biscuits. I said, what is going on? So thank God for the pandemic because I finally figured out what was going on with me. And it talks about all the things that I did to reverse the effects. And I kid you not, I I feel like I look younger than I did two years ago and I feel mm. it in my body. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And so if you go to my Instagram um, you can or drshante.com, you can get your copy of Aging Backwards as well. I did see that on your website, meant to ask you, but also I'm in that space that you're talking about right now where I'm trying to reverse a lot of things I don't have bad stuff like I I'm, I'm not gonna die in a year right I mean, right not, not, that, not that I know but I'm just saying like I'm trying to reverse some of that stuff and so I'm on my own journey right now I have this wonderful book called um women's bodies women's wisdom by Dr. Mm. Christian Northrup mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I'll send you the link and share it with you it's so amazing and it's about everything that you're doing everything that I'm doing and it's just like you use, um, what do you call it? Positive psychology with your clients. Yes. And she yes. talks about all of that in, 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 
dealing with your health and in dealing with your just overall being a woman oh, and living send life. Me that link. I want to check that out. Too. Yeah. It's such a wonderful book. So thank um, you. Changed my life in about two days. <laughs> I have to say so. But thank you so much, Dr. Shanti. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Well Black Sis. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other women striving to be well to find the show. If you want to hear more from our community, you can follow on Instagram at wellblacksis and check out the website at wellblacksis.com to find out what exciting meetup we have next. You can also sign up for the Well Black Sis newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on future Well Black Sis updates. Talk to you soon.